There's a new member of the Hall of Fame. Just one. Hmm. There's some other names that could have been in and didn't get the support. Plus, the Seattle Mariners are going to try to build upon two successful seasons, one of which sent them to a thrilling postseason, albeit one that ended a little too quickly for them, but at least it was a postseason. And you know who's really thrilled about that? Ty Dan Gonzalez, the host of Locked On Mariners. He's the guest on today's episode of Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. Today's episode is brought to you by our new friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Easy for you to say, it's the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Ah! I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who sometimes has trouble getting a sentence out. I have been a podcaster for well over a decade right now, and I'm beginning my fifth season as a host here of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram, and I'm your pal Sully. I'm on Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB, or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including just taking one totally at random right now, Locked On Mariners, whose host, or one of the hosts, that's Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks, Sully. Yes, totally random, totally, uh, you know. Right I out of the up. I just decided to, you know, just come in, say hello, and all of a sudden I'm on the show. Boom. Well, look at uh, those of you who've been following the show, and I know I have, know that I've been bringing on the hosts of each and every one of the Lockdown Podcast shows. Um, Millard Thomas of Lockdown Dimebacks is doing his weekly show tomorrow, and Ruth Capulis, who is not a Lockdown host, but is a huge Blue Jays fan and expert, is going to be coming in because right now, um, we don't have a host for Lockdown Blue Jays. We're looking for one. If you are a Blue Jays fan or if you are former Blue Jay Pat Tabler, be sure to contact us here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Love to have you on there. I don't know why I picked Pat Tabler. He was part of the 1992 World Series champion. Hey, um, we're going to talk a lot about uh, home runs, Cal Raleigh, you know, uh, big rally, rally and rallies, the big rallies against the Blue Jays and a couple of frustrating losses, but, you know, certainly a year that Mariners fans will never forget. But a uh, big event happened on the afternoon, uh, the, the afternoon, which is the 24th of January, 2023. Uh, Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland can look his children in the eye and say, I am a Hall of Famer. And Todd Helton can wander around wondering who the 11 or 12 who didn't vote for him that kept him out of the Hall of Fame. And Billy Wagner might be wondering the same damn thing, too. Um, what are your thoughts about, first of all, rolling in the Hall of Fame, Helton barely missing, and uh, the cases for Wagner and Jones becoming 
uh, more and more interesting. Yeah, so I, I think this is well deserved for for Scott Rowland. Uh, he was worth mm-hmm. nearly you know seventy WAR by Fangraphs metrics. I mean, a two eighty one, three sixty four, four ninety uh, hitter with a one twenty two career WRC plus, and he was great defender on top of that. Um, you know, won some rings. You know, all all that good stuff. So I think this was uh, more than deserved. Um, Helton missing uh, by eleven votes is absolutely brutal, um, and. Yeah. You know, I, I I think he's he's on a good pace to at least make it here pretty soon, uh, yeah. considering the ground that he made up this uh, this year. So that's great. Uh, Jones and Wagner, I, I I you know they've made some progress here as well, and I think they'll make a pretty strong push next year. The, the one guy that I'm uh, a little upset didn't get more support this uh, this time around was Jeff Kent, and mm-hmm. Kent's now off of the ballot. I think he only got about forty six percent of the vote. That's right. What are we What are we doing here, man? uh jeff kent was a was a great player uh you know that that's a guy that i grew up watching uh and i feel that 46 percent even if you don't think he's a hall of famer i think he should be getting more than 46 percent of the vote here so i I think that's uh that's quite a shame uh on that front but uh yeah i think one of the things that we saw this year obviously there's 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 a couple of elephants in the room that we'll address shortly but Mm. um you know, it was there weren't a lot of great choices as the first time ballots. Certainly, no locks. I think that helped Helton. I think that helped Billy Wagner because it allowed people to make their cases. Clearly, that helped Roland a great deal. Um, mm. I, I'm glad Roland is in. I've, I've supported his Hall of Fame candidacy. Uh, I understand. You know, there's some players are surefire locks, and some people need argument and debate. Uh, I think that's what got Burt Blylevin eventually in the Hall of Fame. And without doing by the Veteran Committee, I mean, there's something always weird about the Veteran Committee ones because a lot of times there's someone, you know, obviously, and, and again, I feel the guilty saying this because he was a wonderful player and a wonderful baseball guy. It's just everyone will always point to Harold Baines' inclusion as a moment of maybe a little overreach of the the committee. Again, I Baines had a wonderful career. And was a solid player, and you know, a good baseball man, and not someone. You know, it's so it kind of is upsetting that he's kind of put on in kind of a negative light. But you know, you sort of see Baines is in the Hall of Fame, and some other people aren't. Is uh, I don't know. I think a you know a little bananas, but um, mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad Helton is getting his turn in. That he'll probably get his turn in next time, and I think Billy Wagner. Yeah. Who I think is one of the great relievers of all time. Agreed. Yeah. Wagner, you know, it's funny. It, sometimes people don't get into the Hall of Fame based upon something that they have no control over. I had said right. for years, you know, Jim Rice took 15 attempts to get into the Hall of Fame. And I am absolutely convinced that if uh, Mookie Wilson swung and missed at one of the pitches thrown by Bob Stanley and the Red Sox won the 86 World Series, I'm convinced Jim Rice would have been on, on the first ballot. Because they would have said Williams was the best all-around player, Yastrzemski had the longevity, but they won with Rice, and that would have been the narrative, and he would have been in instantly. And I do believe that if one of the people on this this ballot, Carlos Beltran, if he swung at an Adam Wainwright pitch and hit like a game-winning double, and the Mets went on to win the 2006 World Series, I believe Billy Wagner would be in the Hall of Fame right now because. Mm-hmm. 
there almost is an unwritten rule, save for Lee Smith, that you have to have clinched or be, be a closer on a World Series winner in order to get in. Um, I mean, Trevor Hoffman and Lee Smith are exceptions, of course. But when you yeah. think about every other big reliever, the the only exception is Hoyt Wilhelm didn't clinch the 54 Series, but he was part of a World Series winner. You know, Gossage, Eckersley, Raleigh Fingers, Mariano Rivera, all these ones, uh, Bruce, the late Bruce Sear, may rest in peace. All these ones had the image of them jumping up, clinching a World Series title. Because Billy Wagner doesn't have that, it sounds weird. It sounds totally irrelevant. And yet, I think it plays into a factor of thinking of him as a Hall of Famer. Sure. Because if he had won, and we had the image of him jumping up, then people would have seen his stats, which compare very favorably to someone like uh, Trevor Hoffman. Uh, he would have been in like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, there goes, whether we want to admit it or not, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. It's the it's the memories, it's the moments, it's the big moments, it's the, it's the rings, right? Talking about Scott Rowland, he won, uh, you know, going back to him, you know, he won a ring in 2006, and that probably changed everything for him. Because Scott Rowland was never, when he was active, he was never a guy that everyone looked to and said, that's a, you know, that's a star, right? You're naming your top five, top ten players in the game at that time. No one's saying Scott yeah. Rowland. But he's quietly, you know, I mean, you heard the the war that I listed there. Quietly yeah. one of the best players, you know, so of his of his era. And so but because he got that ring, I think that kind of helps things, helps, you know, garner more attention there. And so same thing with you know, I, I think especially with a reliever even more so because relievers are kind of like the kickers of baseball, right? Yeah. No one really thinks about them. No one really talks about them, but they're so crucial to the game at the end of the day. And someone like Billy Wagner should be an absolute no-brainer, but because no one really cares about relievers, you have to have that iconic moment, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do yeah. something that transcends the position, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I get what you're saying there on that, yeah. for sure. And, and you know, that Met team, I, I absolutely believe, would have clobbered the Detroit Tigers in that World Series. And... You know, it was just the it was just that cardinal team. It, it's funny the '06 ring may have gotten Roland into the Hall of Fame and kept Billy Wagner out of the Hall of Fame. It's a yeah, it's man, a it's know. an interesting sort of way to take a look at it. Um, you know, Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, and Manny Ramirez get about thirty three percent of the vote. Yeah. Um, I understand the PED situation, and I don't because Ortiz is in there. All right. We know Padre Rodriguez did it, did a bunch of stuff. Um, look at, I, I know I'm not supposed to say this. Jeff Bagwell is the most obvious user I've ever seen in my life, more so than anybody else. And he went from his scouting report being, he's too skinny, doesn't have enough power to being a Hall of Fame slugger uh, after becoming friends with Ken Caminiti. Um, and I think Bagwell belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, a, I just think that we've taken we've taken the 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 PED subject off the table, and as I've said, this is less about the morality of PEDs and more about who do you like? People yeah. like David Ortiz. They didn't like Alex Rodriguez. People like Padre Rodriguez. People didn't like Manny Ramirez. It mm -hmm. becomes who you like rather than anything to do with the validity of a PED argument. 
And whether you like Alex Rodriguez or not, and whether he did PEDs or not, he's one of the best third basemen and one of the best shortstops in Mm -hmm. baseball history. Uh, and I mean, you know, and I'm personally not a purist when it comes to this stuff at all. I, I think all these guys should be in the hall because you really you can't tell the story of baseball without these guys. And I think that's ultimately what the hall's purpose should be is to tell the full story of baseball, of professional baseball in America uh, and beyond yeah. even. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think this is a, a shame. And, and, and I, I do agree that it is a little bit of a popularity contest, especially with some of the older writers who, you know, covered these guys back in the day uh, and are more so, you know, pre- baseball purists, essentially um, gatekeepers, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, uh, yeah, no, this, you know, and we've seen uh, this lesson a little bit as newer writers are starting to come in and, and become eligible to vote in this thing. But yeah, it's still not enough at this point. Um, you know, hopefully we see quite a bit of change here as these guys get further, further, you know, further and further along in the ballot. Uh, and hopefully some of these guys get in and we don't, you know, have another Clemens bond situation. I told you what the, my bond solution was over the years. Bonds just keep taking an at bat every year and pushing his hall of fame eligibility <laughs> further down yeah. the line. And there were times I like, can you imagine him coming up now as a pinch hitter? You know, you wouldn't, he wouldn't be a valuable DH for a team. Are you kidding me now? Absolutely. I, I, I saw who the giants were putting out in left field for a bunch of the times over the last few years. Try and tell me what a 50 something year old bonds isn't a step up. Come on, come on. Give me a break. Um, next year, by the way, we do have an absolute no-brainer first ballot, which is Adrian Beltre. There's yeah. no argument against, not not yeah, one ballot, not traditional, not you know anything else. By the Mariner's way, Mariners legend, of course. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, if uh, Nelson Cruz just timed his leap a little better, he'd have that mm. World Series ring too. But you also you're gonna have Joe Maurer and Chase Utley are gonna be on the ballot for the first time. Uh, those are going to be some interesting debates. Um, mm-hmm. Jose Bautista, yeah. Bartolo Colon, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, uh, Jose Reyes, please, Victor Martinez, and David Wright are all going to be on the ballot for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this helps. I think Beltre's in, uh, and I think this will help you. Will help uh, Wagner and Helton. I think love another mm-hmm. year to gestate, and I think those are going to be our three next year: Beltre, Helton, and. Billy Wagner, and that's a, that'd be a fun class. Sounds pretty good, you know. And look, at I, I don't know that for sure, but I just think that is, uh, if I were a betting man, that's what I'd be betting. And by the way, if you're a betting person, do you know where you go to? May not be where you think. I'm going to say we're going to FanDuel. FanDuel is our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. We've got a big old weekend with the conference championships, which I'm not even a football fan, but this is my personal favorite weekend for football where you get to see which two teams will make it to the Super Bowl. Will it be Kansas City? Will it be Cincinnati? Will it be San Francisco? Will it be Philadelphia? The only thing we do know is it won't be Buffalo. So, we can tell you that new customers can join today and get started with 150 bucks in free bets guaranteed 
when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has your favorite bets from the money line to point spread to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use, and fits in the palm of your hand. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get 150 clams in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we're here with Ty Dane Gonzalez. There was already a Ty Gonzalez in SAG, so that's why you had to go by Ty Dane Gonzalez. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're the host of Lockdown Mariners, and for the first okay. time since Ichiro's rookie year, yeah, there was there were October games, and a couple of them yeah. were real thrillers, and a couple of real thrillers didn't end particularly well for the Mariners. But no. you had a Cal Raleigh home run to hit you into the playoffs. You had a uh, one of the most mind-boggling comebacks I've seen in a long time to eliminate the Toronto Blue Jays. And even though the series with Houston only lasted three games, two of them were absolute thrillers, and one of them was – I have no evidence that it's over. Um, tell us a little bit about, especially after the, the 2021 season that ended with 90 wins but just narrowly missing the postseason, how did this year feel for a Mariner fan? Well, it was pretty scary at first because they started off horrible. They were like 29 and 36 at one point, and mm -hmm. it, all the hope and optimism that you went into the year with was essentially drained, uh, and it felt like they had taken a huge step back. And, you know, some of that also was injuries. You know, they, they, they were decimated by injuries, particularly on the position player front, which is funny because they were actually remarkably healthy in the rotation. Um, they didn't suff, uh, sustain a, a legitimate injury there at all the whole year but yeah once they turned things around I mean quite frankly it felt like something that not a lot of us have experienced before right because we haven't right. that's just what it is uh and especially in, in a very long time and so it, it felt a little bit like a like like a dream in a way uh and you you didn't really recognize or realize what had happened until it was over, especially those last couple of weeks, because you have the drought ender with the Raleigh home run. And there's obviously all the emotions of that and the, the drought finally coming to an end. And then you go to Toronto, you win the first game, which I mean, I was there in the building. I was, I was at Rogers center. I live in Toronto. So I, I went to both games and seeing the Mariners in the playoffs, first of all, was just mind blowing in itself. Second of all, to beat, a really good team like the Blue Jays in um in that stadium with that environment was mind blowing in itself as well. And then to experience that that comeback, the the ten to nine win where <laughs> you know you're down what uh eight to two or nine to two it was at like one eight point. it was like eight to one at one point. It was they, ridiculous. They, they destroyed Robbie Ray and his homecoming. They're all chanting Robbie Robbie, I thought it was over, right? There, people next to me are already buying tickets for game three. Like, all this stuff is going on. It, it seems like it's over. And then they just keep on chipping away, and they keep on chipping away. Because the thing that I learned this year, or really the thing that we, we should have learned in 2021, is that whenever the, this 
iteration of the Mariners play, things are going to get weird. Yeah. Without a doubt, things are going to get weird. And so, yeah. yeah it, showed their resiliency, yeah, I, it showed their resiliency, and they, and they showed that again in the ALDS as well. I got to tell you that um, I was uh, I was at my high school reunion homecoming football game, and I was hanging around with two friends of mine from high school, and one of whom, I'll just say, is someone who I don't see eye to eye with on a lot of political and social things, but we are both big baseball fans. And it was one. And to be fair, I, I hadn't seen him in a while. We didn't talk about politics. We just, it was like, great to see you, my old buddy and everything like that. And we said, okay, we won't bring up um, MAGA or anything like that. And we're watching, we're at a high school football game. I don't know any of the kids. I'm a 50 year old man. I'm what am I going to be saying? Oh boy, I hope we win. You know, I mean, how pathetic is that at some point, but we were talking and everything. And I looked down and said, it's eight to one. And I'm like, or whatever the score was. I'm like, okay. And I really wanted the Mariners to win. But I remember thinking, all right, well, at least I don't have to pay attention to that game. And I looked down, it's eight to four. Now my buddy, who I said is a rabid baseball fan. And eventually, because on my phone I couldn't get the TV, but I could get the the play by play from the app. The two of us were at a picnic table, staring at my phone while the rally, you know, listening to the game while the rally was going on, not paying a lick of attention. There could have been a dragon on the field; we would not have noticed. And when they were coming back, you would have thought that we both grew up in Tacoma. Because we were so into the Mariners coming back, because it was just it was just so thrilling. Yeah. And then when they finally took the lead, we kind of looked at each other because there was a sense, yeah. a little bit of for a minute, it was like, well, at least they're making a game of it. At least they're making a game of it. They're showing some guts. And when they took the lead, we were like, what? Yeah, what? I'll, and- I'll tell I'll tell you the most awkward experience and most conflicting experience of my baseball or my life as a baseball fan happened when they tied the game on the bloop shot from jp crawford right bobachette and george springer both got hurt on that play mm-hmm. and you could hear a pin drop and i was so excited because they tied the game but also in that moment i'm in enemy territory and two of their star players are down on the field right now yeah i can't i can't do anything like i my body mm-hmm. froze up i had no idea what to do in that moment <laughs> So what did you do? Come on. What did you do? I I did I sat there <laughs> and I've just Good I, call. Looked, I, lo- I looked I looked around and I was like, Yeah man, that that really sucks that, that happened. Yeah, yeah, I hope they're okay. Yeah, yeah. But in my mind I'm like, Oh my god, we just tied it. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> and then obviously the Adam Fraser double after that, big pop, of course. You know, because right. yeah, and then it it just and then, you know, going uh just going back to that game as a whole, like the thing that I found the most impressive was it's 10-9, and they put in a rookie George Kirby who's never yes. pitched out of the bullpen. Yes, to yeah. close that game out, and he just shuts he shuts it down. And then goes into game three of the ALDS, the first playoff game in Seattle in 20 years, and shuts down the Astros. And yeah, oh man, and they, they pitched so, the pitching staff was so amazing in that game. Yeah. Unbelievable! Yeah. And the, the the you know it was really only one bad. I mean the, the the one home run to Pena and the home run to Alvarez in the in the opening game, but yeah. you know they showed up. They really showed up to the team that went on to win the World Series. And yeah. you know you you go into this year 
knowing that you're I guess in some way it's like okay they 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 had a very they had an, they had an excellent uh 2021 which probably saved services career mm. as a manager they overcame that I was calling for services head uh, full disclosure when they got off to the rancid start I am a believer of hey and we saw it happen certainly with Philadelphia this year that sometimes it's like hey if it's not working don't wait for yeah. the end of the year if it's not working make a change yeah the problem with that is scott service and jerry depoto are a package deal i can't envision a, a world where one of them stays and the other is gone and well so, as, as it turned out it turned out all right because yeah. you know he he they wound up you know turned the corner had a remarkably effective second half mm-hmm. and um yeah and and with this what you hope with the Mariners, and we're going to talk about this in the final segment, you hope with the Mariners is they're building upon each year, that the improvement that led to 2021 led to breaking through into the playoffs, of the the sort of the psychological leap that that took. And then now we're going to go into the final season of this time and hopefully see if you're a Mariners fan, see what's happening. By the way, thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. Your second listen, obviously have that be Locked On Mariners. But then go to Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment here with Ty Dane Gonzalez. Uh, the Blue Jays and the Mariners were are tied together in history that they both came into the league in 1977. They were tied together in last year's postseason with the thrilling two-game wildcard series. And they're tied together with one of the blockbuster deals of the winter in the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Uh, Tomorrow we're going to be with Ruth Capulis, who's a huge Blue Jays mind. I'm going to be talking about why they needed to make that deal. I think we all saw they had bullpen problems. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Gee whiz, why would I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's go into, and so they, they, they Mariners sacrificed some bullpen depth in yep. that deal. Mm-hmm. But I think bringing Teoscar Hernandez to that lineup is no small addition. Oh, it's a game changer for the Mariners. And there is no understating that. This mm-hmm. is an incredible move for the Mariners and one that a lot of fans feel is a lateral move, which blows my mind. No. Teoscar Hernandez, after he returned from his injury, was essentially Julio Rodriguez at the plate. Mm-hmm. And that oh, was yeah. from May 7th onward, I believe, this past year. And overall, the numbers, kind of a down year for him. The last oh. two years before that, he was essentially a borderline MVP candidate. Like, this is a massive upgrade for the Mariners. One, just from a health standpoint, because Mitch Hanniger, unfortunately, hasn't been able to stay healthy. And two, from just an overall offensive upgrade standpoint, right? Like, this is what Teoscar brings to you, upside-wise, ceiling-wise, is a second Julio Rodriguez. Right. And I'm glad you made that point, because it's almost as if the Mariners bought low even though they did sacrifice yeah. some quality arms, Teoscar Hernandez was a legit all-star for the last few years. And mm-hmm. you're right. He had a bad first half of the season that sort of sullied, if you'll excuse the expression, 
uh, the overall stats, if he has even a mild bounce back, you know, maybe not to MVP level, potential, you know, borderline MVP level, but legit all-star, you're going to plug that into the lineup and the the effect that's going to have, the ripple effect that's going to have on the rest of the lineup. This is a a critical move. Look at, we all know the Astros, they're the defending champs, back-to-back pennant winners, won the World Series. They just added Jose Abreu. So, you know, they, they lost Justin Verlander, but they they have incre- they went to the World Series without Verlander a couple of years ago, and their pitching depth is off the charts. We mm-hmm. all know that. But to stay playing alongside, you almost don't look at the Astros. The, you know the Mariners are better than anybody in the Central. Mm-hmm. And so you're really playing alongside the Blue Jays. They're the Blue Jays again. The Yankees, the Rays. And to say, can, we got to play, keep up with that group. Mm-hmm. Because you know that will get that will punch your card for October, and maybe if the Astros take a step back, you take advantage of it. But mm-hmm. the overall, you had to keep up with them, and you had to keep up making sure that you get that extra boost. And I think that one of the worst things you could do, especially if you ever have a comeback season like they just had, is to be stagnant, which is what I think yeah. Baltimore is doing right now when they had that right. that great turnaround. I, I don't see them making a big move. This was a big move for a legit all-star who was there for the taking. Yeah, I you know, and this was a guy that I I had talked about a couple weeks before um the the deal actually happened because you know, you look at Toronto, you look at where Toronto is at. Toronto needs to get more defensively inclined, or at least before this offseason, they needed to get more defensively inclined and they needed to add to their bullpen. And so mm-hmm. I saw an opportunity there with the Mariners where they have a lot of depth in that bullpen, and they also had a couple of starters that they might be willing to move. And you know, Teoscar only had the one year left on his deal, so it just it made sense for mm-hmm. the two sides to line up. And sure enough, it happened. Um, going back to your comment about them being stagnant, you know, there's a there's a massive conversation going on in the fan base where a, a good portion of the Mariners fan base thinks that the Mariners haven't done enough, and I somewhat agree because Teoscar Hernandez isn't costing them a a ton of money he's making pennies on the dollar for how uh good he for relative to how good he is I think he's owed about 14 and a half million dollars in in arbitration that's nothing nowadays they essentially swapped money with the Brewers and the Colton Wong deal yeah um by trading Jesse Winker and, and Abraham Toro. So that was essentially a wash in terms of payroll. After that, they added AJ Pollock on a one-year $8 million deal, and I think that's an interesting flyer for them to take, and I, I think that he's going to be pretty significantly better than he was in Chicago because Chicago was a mess last year. Uh, but it felt like they could do more because they should have the payroll flexibility to do more. Now, I'm not saying that they should have gone out and signed Justin Verlander and Aaron Judge and all that stuff, you know, but a lot of people were focused on that big shortstop market, Xander Bogarts of the world, the, you know, Dansby Swansons, the Carlos Correa's, they weren't involved in that. And I think you look at the contracts that those guys sign, the ridiculous amounts of money and, and your commitments that were being made to some of those guys, even Correa, Correa before all that mess happened. You kind of understand that, but then there's that mid-market, right? The four-year, $60 million type of guys, and they just avoided that. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done anything else. And you look at this roster, they have the DH open, which a lot of teams prefer, of course. But to me, there aren't 
enough good hitters on their roster right now to justify having the DH open. And right. they were reportedly interested in Michael Brantley, Brandon Belt. They didn't get that done, though. Mm-hmm. And left field is also another question mark right now because they have Jared... Right now, right now Jared Kelnick and A.J. Pollock are set to platoon with one another. And Kelnick should be better where when he's just getting more opportunities against righties instead of lefties, and that should boost the overall numbers a little bit, but that's still a major concern. So there's still holes on this roster, I think, and so I feel and I feel like they could have done more to improve. Uh but overall, you know, one thing they're they're looking at a full season of Luis Castillo as an addition as well. They're looking at a full year of George Kirby as an addition. They're looking at you know, a full year of a, of a revitalized Cal Raleigh, uh, right. the return of Tom Murphy as their backup catcher. They're going to have one of the best catching positions in all of baseball with Cal Raleigh and Tom Murphy, uh, as long as Murphy is healthy. So, you know, they, they do have these things that are coming over that are coming over from last year into this year that they view as additions. But I still think that with the opportunity at hand coming off of the big year that they did, that they could have done more. But I think at the end of the day, they're much better than they were last opening day. And so talking about, you know, closing that gap with the Astros, I think they have done that. And they're in a position where I think they're really just one 115, 120 WRC plus bat away from legitimately contending for that division. And, you know, some would argue that they should have done that this offseason. But, you know, I, I still think they're in a good position to do that and to make that happen. Is there anyone available still? I mean, I mean... Did well, the you... the big one is Brian Reynolds, right? Brian Reynolds, right. Pirates outfielder, who you know he's requested a trade. The Pirates are reportedly lowballing him. The Mariners have long been interested in him. This has been an ongoing thing for the last couple of years. They checked in on Reynolds back in 2020, I believe. Yeah, uh, they really, really like him. They really want him, and the Mariners are known to circle back on guys. Hence Colton Wong. Hence Tommy Lastella. Mm-hmm. Right? They were interested in those guys back in 2020 as well, and now all of a sudden they're Mariners. Obviously, that's on a much smaller scale, but you know the thing with Reynolds, right? Is are the Pirates going to be realistic about what they want for him? Because he still has three years of club control and he's really affordable. And even though that they're incredibly cheap, they still hold the leverage here on Reynolds. And the Mariners, their farm system isn't what it once was. Now that they've traded for guys like Luis Castillo and Teoscar Hernandez, well, not really Teoscar, you know, but uh, you know they've traded for some guys and they've depleted that farm system and guys have graduated right which is a good thing at the end of the day but do the mariners actually have the ammo to go out and get a brian reynolds that's the question as well so you know but i do look at some other potential trade targets like a max kepler with the twins Mm -hmm. i see that as a fit for them um um is is max kepler going to be um you know, I mean, are the twins going to put him up? I mean, if the, if the twins are have already put in the you know the commitment for the likes of a Correa, would they be in a trading away position? Do you think? Well, they have like nine billion outfielders on their roster right now, and they just acquired another one with Michael A. Taylor. And so, okay. you know, Kepler is a guy that has technically two years left of club control. I believe it's a player option at the end of this year. He hasn't really hit to you know the fullest of his potential. Really, he hasn't hit for much power uh, as of late. He had one season where he hit like thirty four bombs, and then after that, like he only hit seven this past year. He's a you know about an average to a slightly below average hitter. That's how he grades out. But simultaneously, he's also one of the best defensive outfielders in all of baseball. Quietly, like he was 
first and outs above average in right field this past year. So he's a really good defender. And I think there's a lot of potential in that bat. And I think because of the depth that the Twins have in, in the outfield, that he could be someone that is on the move here. Uh, but it would be for a major league piece. And I think this is another opportunity for the Mariners to maybe trade from a position of depth like their bullpen again. And, you know, or maybe it's one of their starters that they have because the Twins still need pitching. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Chris Flexen, maybe Marco Gonzalez is someone of interest to them. And, you know, you do the whole prospect thing and all that, and we see what happens. So I think there's an opportunity there for someone like Kepler, maybe Anthony Santander with the Orioles, who you mentioned, who don't seem like they're really interested in contending this year. They just kind of want to see how that, you know, how their young guys develop and all that. Maybe Santander, who only has two years left of club club control, makes some sense for them. Um, But yeah, you know, right now the word is that they're done. So, well... I don't know. Well, we'll see. And and also keep in mind, everyone, the team that is playing in October is not necessarily the team that breaks camp in April. Exactly. We will see players that will be available. And every year there's a team that has an obvious gigantic hole in it that that hole is filled internally that people say, who would have thought that blank would have come up so big? And so I I have trust in the Mariners that they're going to continue building upon this. And you know what, Ty? I hope we are going to be seeing another Northwestern. Uh, I know I'm showing some bias here, but I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Mariners. I've not hidden that at all. I know, yeah. So, yeah. Well, Ty Dane Gonzalez is the host of Lockdown Mariners. Tell people where they can follow your show. Yeah, you can check us out on YouTube three times a week right now until uh, Pitchers and Catchers report. Then we're going back to five times a week. Uh, You can also find us on all your preferred podcast platforms. All of it. Think about it. Think about the podcast platform. We're on there. Also, big news. We are scheduled to talk to Mariners President of Baseball Operations, Jerry DePoto, on the show tomorrow. So that's uh, going to be releasing tomorrow night, uh, assuming that there's no schedule changes or anything like that. So look forward to that. That's fantastic. Check that show out. Check us out at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. Once again, check out Lockdown MLB Prospects, hosted by Lindsey Crosby, who's a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. That show and our show and Ty show are all available wherever you get your podcasts. Talk in the Hall of Fame. Talk in the Mariners of last year. Mariners of this upcoming year with Ty Dane Gonzalez of Locked On Mariners. This has been Locked On MLB for the 24th day of January 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.